You are listening to You've Got Five Options show, where every week Marta and Anna abandon their five children, two partners, and one cat to make a show especially for you. An artist, a challenge, a bullshit, a wisdom, and a surprise. Tune in and feel the magic of five. Hello, everyone. This is Marta. And this is Anna. And this is You've Got Five Options show. Yes, welcoming you from our lockdown in Denmark week three. Is it week three already? I think we are kind of finishing week three, aren't we? Yeah. It's Friday week three. Yes, you are right. So now we are almost at the end of week three and we will soon be entering the week four. And uh, let's see what will happen afterwards. But yeah, we are welcoming you from quite, uh, I would say, unusual circumstances because we are recording this um, this podcast not in the studio where you usually can expect quite uh, good quality there is no dennis maybe we should have invited dennis on zoom conference we could have and maybe he could have even figured something out to record it in a better quality see we have all the good ideas now now <laughs> yes yeah, so uh, but i think we need to just warn you guys that the quality most probably is not what you are usually are used to uh, so sorry for that but you know desperate times desperate measures i don't know maybe we can spin it more positively um different times different measures <laughs> yeah so uh, sorry guys for this uh, for this uh, rather poor quite although i don't know maybe it's not that bad maybe it's only in my head maybe it will come out quite well yeah but if you suddenly stop hearing something please bear with us it may be that internet disappeared for a moment mm -hmm. and we are doing our best and you know guys for me it has been exactly three weeks since i have talked in person to another person that is not Uh, living with me every day meaning i have last time talked exactly three weeks face to face with someone that is outside of the five of us living in our home so it's been my world record for sure i have really? never been i have never been sick so long or um yeah inside yeah. the house for any reason for so long for sure so okay well i talked to my neighbors okay Do you see your neighbors? Well, actually, you have a different situation because you live in houses, in a housing neighborhood. I live in an apartment, so we are living in a block of flats. So eventually, you will meet a neighbor either if we are throwing the, the garbage or I go for a cigarette. So I actually daily talk with people. Uh, my neighbors. Uh, never have I thought that we will become such a great friends <laughs> because I, I usually don't have uh, much of a relationship with, with my neighbors, but now I guess everyone is making friendship in unusual places. Wait a moment, maybe this is a silver lining to all of this. You will make friends with people you never thought you would. 
Yeah. Or maybe you should start smoking to have more opportunities to go outside of the house. And um, that, that's, that's also a good solution. Although I will tell you that my neighbors are not smoking, but I think everyone, I think especially if you live in a, in an apartment block, right? And you don't have even your own little garden to take some sun or, or something. Um, then, then you just go to take the trash five times a day. Yeah, I guess. Well, either way, um, I'm not lonely at home. I live oh, no. with four guys and I rarely have an opportunity not to talk to someone. I actually started waking up at 5 a.m. to have any time whatsoever <laughs> where people are not talking to me. So especially these uh, small people uh, calling mommy, mommy, mommy. At some point, oh, I forbidden them to call me mommy. And they so how they are calling you now, bitch? <laughs> no, no, that wouldn't fly either. No, I don't think so. Yeah, they had to start calling me mother <laughs> and, <laughs> and by my name also. That was in the first yeah. week. I, I got into <laughs> very serious overwhelm. I have calculated that uh, even when all three of them had assignments to make, so yeah. they were busy and I was supposed to get like 15 minutes uh, free time uh, or free time to cook the dinner, you know, or <laughs> wash the laundry. <laughs> it was never longer than 55 seconds without oh them calling me. So yeah, I went into serious overwhelm. Now it's much better. Now everyone mm -hmm. has adapted to the new routines, but the first week that was rough. It yeah. Was rough. Yeah, actually, I, I think it's quite funny how we humans actually can adapt to almost any situation. I hope we will pick up this thought later because uh, I remember you told me lately that it's not the most intelligent or, or the, the richest uh, of, of people that are surviving situations like this, but the ones that are the most adaptable. And I actually have to agree with you 100% on this one. Yeah, so, I read it someone. Someone smart said it, but I, you know, I'm adapting. <laughs> so I adapted <laughs> somebody's statement. Yes. Well, as we can see, Marta, you are doing it great. You are a living example that this is the right strategy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, jokes aside, guys, we have prepared a program where us the most adaptable beings yes <laughs> the most adaptable definitely not the smartest and not the richest though <laughs> definitely are going to answer five questions five things you wanted to know about coronavirus we asked you know how to ask. you want to know that of course and we assume because we cannot ask anyone because we are locked. So I think we also have very a big imagination. But I guess let's just say that those are the questions that we both have exchanged between ourselves. And we, by proxy, assumed that everyone else wants to know the same, right? And by exchange, we mean obsessively discussed over and over again on WhatsApp. Yes, that is also correct. Uh, but uh, maybe we shouldn't have revealed that. But now you know, guys. Yes, we are actually talking every day on WhatsApp and we are aggressively uh, trying to find out the truth. Uh, and I think we have uh, realized that it's impossible. Aggressively? 
No, aggressive pursuit, not aggressive towards each other, but aggressive pursuit. Okay, well, let we will tell you what are the questions that we are going to do our absolute best to answer. Yes, before and you will decide to turn off this podcast, exactly. The questions are killer questions and mm -hmm. uh, almost as killer as Corona itself. Mm. So stay tuned, because the first question is, What's up with the numbers? Mm -hmm. So Anna, uh, as she is brilliant in mathematics, statistics, oh. and <laughs> these kind of things, she has <laughs> absolutely figured out that the numbers, uh, that there is something fishy around the numbers. And that is not <laughs> that easy <laughs> to calculate them. No. Number two. So why then are we actually put on a lockdown? Mm -hmm. Number three. What is the most frightening thing about the virus or about this whole situation or about the pandemics? Yeah. Number four, why do media show the disease as so deadly? Mm -hmm. And number five, how to stay sane, open and conscious in these times? I think our introduction showed very well that we didn't really stay very sane <laughs> over this time. But we will have some tips. Marta, you will have some good tips. For sure. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to the question number one. What's See. up with the numbers? Well, I think I will have to sell you guys one very big secret for free. No one knows what's up with the numbers. I think even the numbers are confused about the numbers. Um, I think the, the problem with measuring any percentage of infected people, any percentage of recovered people, any percentage of, of people who have passed away and so on, is very pro problematic for a couple of reasons. And Marta, you can, uh, in the meantime, when I'm talking, you can actually say, yeah, or no, Anna. I am better at mathematics than you, so I know better. So that's number one, gonna happen. <laughs> that's the, as you know, Marta is our creative mathematician in the team. So, you know, you actually might have answers. You just have to, you know, dig in, in yourself and uh, come on, you have actually came up with some mathematical methods at university, remember? Yes, they worked uh, <laughs> for a little bit of the time and then suddenly stopped working and never worked again. So maybe that's actually also something around calculation for the numbers that we are seeing now in the world. Yes, so, um, well, the first thing is that in order to calculate the mortality rate of any disease, we would have to have a total number of people who got infected, right? And then compare it to the number of people who have passed away. As we don't do a massive testings in most of the countries, of course, now all the countries are trying to increase the number of tests, but it is impossible to test the entire population. And taking in consideration that the virus is extremely contagious, so we assume that many of us have it, we simply don't have the baseline to calculate the actual mortality rate because we don't know how many people are sick on the virus. You know, I don't know how it is in other countries, but here Denmark first took the strategy to, to propose the general lockdown. 
and all the people who had some sort of syndromes uh, described as uh, COVID-19 syndromes were calling the doctor and symptoms. you uh, symptoms, yes, not syndromes. Uh, uh, thank you, Marta. Uh, you are our uh, linguistic specialist. No, I was, I was hoping. I, I mean, I was confused because I thought that maybe you were going to say that any people who have any syndromes which are considered to be uh, like weakening your immune system or something, uh, yeah. that, that maybe you go this way. So I was like watching and you know listening to know if these syndromes mm -hmm. or symptoms. No, it wasn't a syndrome, it was a symptom. Thank you for clarifying that. So basically, uh, people here were calling the doctor and the doctor said, you know, un unless you are in a severe situation when you have a breathing problems or very uh, high fever, uh, you have to stay home and observe yourself and you know, blah, blah, blah. So basically, those people were not tested. So we could we could assume that there is way more people who actually have COVID-19 or had COVID-19. So uh, comparing the people who have passed away to people who, who are sick, it's at this point rather impossible. Does it make any sense? Yeah, it totally makes a lot of sense. And in many places where it is calculated, it is explained. I, I mean, any serious... A mathematician, any serious country mm -hmm. is giving that information as available information and World Health Organization keeps on changing the mm -hmm. number that they consider as the mm -hmm. official number of, yeah. the of the mortality rate. It's just very important for the two of us here to mention this because it usually is explained with the little star somewhere yeah. at the bottom, is not something that you see as a headline in a newspaper. Yeah. The headline in the newspaper says that everyone is dying, that it's a deadly virus and so on. And it's only, you know, somewhere very, very low uh, in small letters that it says, you know, that the actual number is still not known because we are leaving it right now. And we will only be able to know the number when we are looking back in time. Mm -hmm. uh, I completely agree. And the funny thing is that the actual uh, mortality rate probably should be counted as, and I saw this and it makes perfect sense for me, as a rate between people who have recovered and passed away, not people who are infected, because technically people who are infected still have a, uh, it will sound horrible, a chance to die, right? So actually it should be recovered versus the, the, the people who have passed away. And now if we will have people home that were advised by doctors to stay indoors and, you know, just basis, basically self-quarantine themselves because they will probably go through it very mild, mildly. Those people are falling between the chairs of any statistics. So those might be recovered people. I see on internet all the time people saying, I think I had it already, you know, I had this horrible uh, fever and I had this horrible cough and I thought I will, you know, like uh, die or something, but now I'm good. And, and this will never be counted in because that person is officially not tested for the disease. So we never know if it was COVID-19. And that's why those statistics are unfortunately um, quite meaningless at this point. We are just trying to get some sort of an idea 
that's normal that we are trying to get this idea, but unfortunately based on the fact that we don't know the baseline and it is said that it might be 10 times more people that are infected, 50 times more, 100, everyone might have it. If for instance, 70% of people would have it in a country like Denmark, the mortality rate would fall to 0.0, I think 2%, which is almost nothing, right? But we don't know that. And until we will not have a magical uh, way of trying to, you know, figure out how many people are sick, we will never know what, how high is the mortality rate. The other thing about the numbers, before we will jump to other question, is also how countries are um, maintaining their statistics and what criteria they're using in, the, in their statistics to count the mortality rate. And uh, the very first thing that was interesting for me uh, when there was the first person that was announced uh, as, a, as a, let's call it a victim of COVID-19 in Denmark, was a man who was brought into the hospital because he had a heart attack. He was 79 years old and he died uh, because he had a heart attack. They were not able to rescue him. And post-mortem, uh, he was tested and it turned out that he had COVID-19. Uh, and of course, for three days, because I was actually looking at this case, the official statistics, um, people who are doing those statistics didn't know if, to, if they want to include him or not. They finally included him. He was then officially claimed the first victim. So um, there is no research yet that would show that COVID-19, that is a respiratory disease, would have any actual impact on having a heart attack. Uh, we don't have this data. We don't have a research that would indicate that COVID-19 can help heart attack to, to you know, appear. I don't know, I'm talking about heart attack like it's an unwanted guest, but you know what I mean, right? So we, do, we don't know if, if there is a connection. And then, of course, people are asking, you know, what's up with Italy? There is so many victims. And if you look at the statistics, indeed, Italy has plenty, 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 plenty of, of people who have passed away. But if you look at other countries, suddenly there is a huge jump. If you look at Italy, it's, uh, I don't know how it is today because it changes so much, but probably it's around 12 or 13,000. Maybe Marta, you can check it when I talk. Yeah, you, you go ahead and I am now mm -hmm. in the total number for the world. So I'll check by the country. And then you look at other countries, like for instance, Denmark, when there is above 100, then you look at countries like uh, Sweden, when it's around, I think it was around 300. So how is it possible that we have such a huge difference when the facto lockdown in Denmark and lockdown in Italy happened pretty much at the same time, right? So the same strategy was implemented, yet in Italy, people are dying so much. And I think everyone who thinks logically about it, first of all, knows that Italy is a country where there is more people, way more people, around 80 million. This is a different culture where people hug each other, kiss each other, greet each other on a daily basis. And in Denmark, if you will kiss someone on the street, you might get slapped on the face. So it's a completely, this country actually is practicing social distancing as a way of life. So then there is this factor. Another factor, Italy has the oldest population 
in Europe, meaning there is the, a lot of people who are actually elderly, and those are usual people who are, let's call it the victims of, of the, of the COVID-19. Those are the people who pass away the most. Uh, so that's another factor. And then we have to look at other things, uh, like, for instance, the pollution levels. Uh, Northern Italy is actually quite famous for having very high uh, pollution levels if we talk about uh, air quality. And they are, you know, uh, above the uh, safety limit for years. So this country could potentially have uh, environmental conditions that are not really um, kind to our lungs in the first place, right? So whenever someone jumps on internet and say that, you know, if we will lock, uh, open up the country, we will end up like Italy, I will tell you at, like, at least four or five reasons why we won't end up like Italy, because those are completely different conditions. Those are completely different countries, different number of people, different demographic spread um, regarding age, different uh, environmental state of the country and the quality of air. So, you know, plus also different um, capacity regarding the hospitals and health workers. And additionally, it is officially admitted that only 12% of people in Italy who have passed away died because of coronavirus. The rest died with coronavirus. So basically, in case of 88%, uh, coronavirus was present at the body of the person that has passed away, but it is not as a you know, um, firmly said that it's the virus that has either killed the person or has contributed to the uh, to the death of that person. And, and that, that is... Yeah, and that's something very, very important to uh, underline because many people are getting very, very scared, mm -hmm. really, really scared that the virus is out there to get us, that the mm -hmm. virus is deadly, mm -hmm. that you know, that the virus is severe and that it's killing loads of people. And it's very, very important to take these few steps back and take under consideration that there are many things to look at when it comes to numbers. Mm -hmm. And that it's really not certain that it is, I have checked the statistics, so in Italy is around 14,000 people who mm -hmm. have passed away with coronavirus, that number can seem to be very big. Mm -hmm. However, if you look into whether coronavirus was a cause of death or it was just simply present, so that's something to look at, to look at 80 million people in a country, to look at the fact that the country is aging, mm -hmm. also the information that we are not provided. How mm -hmm. many people have died in Italy with flu? Yeah, I was trying to find those information. You know what is the most interesting thing? That the, the region in Italy, when there is the most people who are dying year after year, is Lombardy. 90-something thousand people died uh, in Lombardy last year. Uh, or Yeah, I have to check those data. But this is actually, the, this region stands out in that in that toll, in general, on a on a you know everyday daily basis regarding virus or not, the next region, I will check those information, but I think it's uh, like half, 
drops have deaths. So basically, in this region, people are unfortunately dying, regardless of coronavirus in 2019-18. Um, there is quite a lot of people who are dying there. This is a region that, yeah. Yeah, so it's just to, for your own sanity, mm -hmm. for yourself, if you are this person that has a tendency to get scared, that looks at those numbers and those numbers seem to be really scary, you can help yourself by doing a little bit more solid research mm -hmm. and checking how many people die with, for example, heart attacks, how many people die with you know, in car accidents, so that you have, so that you check your own sanity. And I was trying to find out because I couldn't relate if that's a high number or not. Mm -hmm. I couldn't relate. It just, especially at the beginning, at the time where many countries in the world were already being put on a lockdown mm -hmm. and seeing those numbers compared to, I don't know, car accidents or something like very, very low. I think I was checking like there are 20,000 car accidents in a region uh, mm -hmm. in a month. And there, and there was like, I don't know, 5,000 deaths in that region with coronavirus. And, you know, you, you just start to wonder. And I was like, okay, but let's compare with a disease that is considered to be milder than coronavirus. Let's check with flu, with regular <laughs> influenza. And it's very difficult to find those numbers. Mm -hmm. I found those numbers only for US, where mm -hmm. it was saying that in the current season, which is com uh, considered to be the entire winter season, there have been 40,000 deaths uh, for uh, flu attributed mm -hmm. to influenza. And there was at that point of time, I think around 3,000 deaths for, um, for coronavirus. And... I am really, you know, like it gives some perspective because, of course, every number taken out of context can mm -hmm. be manipulated. So, of course, if you take that number to prove that there is nothing to be afraid of with coronavirus, you can make coronavirus seem to be very insignificant when you are comparing it to other things, like especially when I was comparing it to, because I was thinking, okay, maybe it doesn't make any sense to compare it to heart attacks because it's a completely different things. Yeah, maybe, because you cannot get uh, infected by the heart attack. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I can compare it to flu, but then there is a argument that flu is not as contagious, that mm -hmm. the flu contagious rate is, uh, around one person, whereas for coronavirus is around two, three people. So mm -hmm. the contagious level is not as big. So the social damage is not as big. So I started to look into numbers that I find myself very socially damaging, like uh, the gunshots. Mm -hmm. so how many people are being accidentally shot by the gun? Accidentally? Not even okay. so, like Even accidental rates. Mm -hmm. So I was just, you know, doing that for myself and even accidental shotgun rates are still lower than coronavirus. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, there is a delay into data and so on. Yet still, no one is taking away guns from people. I've mm -hmm. heard that people are even buying more guns. So even though you can use a gun to kill people and you kill in US, of course, that's not the situation for Denmark for mm -hmm. example, even though 
I think I checked it was 66,000 people that were, um, that were shot in one year. I don't mm-hmm. remember which year it was anymore. I think we can include that data actually in show notes. Uh, to, yeah. to, uh, to provide more specific numbers because right now we are mainly discussing. Mm-hmm. No one is taking away guns from people. So how it is possible that we are taking this disease and we are putting a world on a lockdown? I, I think when we will answer this question, because that's our second question, yes. I will just, Marta, add something to what you said. If we have now pneumonia, which is actually quite seasonal thing, and then you have a person that has a pneumonia and actually is dying because of pneumonia, but that person also has COVID-19, that person will be included in the COVID-19 statistics rather than pneumonia statistics, because that is so far the tendency we have noticed among the governments and the health um, health ministries, which is very obvious. They are actually saying that. We are including that just to have some sort of overview, but we are not sure. So if you have pneumonia and COVID-19 and you will pass away, you will be in a COVID-19 death though. You will not be in pneumonia. Even if in the end it is almost impossible to figure out if one or another killed you yeah. or it was both. So very important to say, because even the way we show you the numbers, mm-hmm. they are also taken out of context. So you guys, the only thing that we are telling you is use your own minds, use your own brain power, use your own perspective, compare different things. And first of all, be aware that the smart people who are putting those numbers together, they are including the restrictions to the numbers. They are just usually uh, described in small letters and uh, or not very visible that there are still many restrictions and that the numbers are changing daily and that, and that the mortality rate, the severity rate, <clears throat> it really is not, we are not capable of seeing that because we don't know how many people are actually infected. That is correct, and this is a very good message to end this question with, Marta. I couldn't agree more. So, um, so why are we then put on a lockdown? Oh, now that's a that's a very good question. So I can can I start first trying of to course. explain how I understand it. So mm-hmm. I have gone through different phases when it comes to my own approach to first fear to coronavirus, mm-hmm. then fear of our rights and freedoms taken away from us with presence of a disease that by numbers looked as not dangerous at all, especially if you scratch the surface to the numbers and you discover those things that the actual death rate is not known, that the actual death rate includes everyone, every other possible disease the only thing is that you had the virus present and I just couldn't figure this out. Why are we putting the world on a lockdown? Mm-hmm. I could quickly understand why do we want to protect elderly people and people with different types of chronic diseases? Because mm-hmm. it seems that this virus, which is 
mild for 80-90% of people, that number also changes. Sometimes this number of people grows up to 96% of people. But Mm -hmm. again, we don't have a holistic overview yet because we are not testing everyone. We are testing only, uh, you know, a small Mm -hmm. percentage of people. Yeah. I could definitely quickly understand why would we want to protect elderly and people with chronic diseases, especially lung diseases and other immunity, uh, you know, impacting diseases. Mm -hmm. And I was really not able to put my head around why do we want to keep everyone on a Mm -hmm. Mm lockdown? So I started to talk to many different people. Mm -hmm. And as far as I understand, It seems Mm -hmm. to me that even though the death rate is not very high, even though a vast amount of people goes with the mild symptoms, Mm -hmm. the current situation in healthcare systems looks in a way that the healthcare systems are not capable of picking up even a uh, a small severe disease increase. Doesn't matter what kind doesn't matter if it is a covid or anything any other disease if you need if you need uh, this very high qualified intensive care or respirator help majority mm-hmm. of the healthcare systems are not ready for that mm-hmm. so it might be that covid rate is not very high mm-hmm. however it seems that in majority of the countries we have been living on a full capacity of mm-hmm the uh, both the staff mm-hmm. because one thing is having beds in the hospital and having respirate, respiratory help and other you know oxygen um, so to speak you know the physical things mm-hmm. necessary for healing people and or I don't know saving people whatever you call it treating people yeah treating people is the best word and another thing is to have qualified intensive care doctors and nurses Mm-hmm. and attend those people so as far as i understand majority of the countries they simply don't have the capacity even for a small increase in number mm-hmm. of very sick people that's one reason so mm-hmm. the healthcare system they just simply cannot pick up even such a small increase when you look in the total number of severe illnesses uh, because people are still you know people are still having cancer People are still having heart diseases. There are still many people who need those intensive care and, you know, respirators and so on. So there seems, it seems to be a fact, according to numbers, that in those regions where many people suddenly started to get sick, the mortality rate increases significantly Mm -hmm. as long as the capacity of that region is not capable of pick up the healthcare capacity is not able to pick up the death rate. Mm-hmm. It's not able to pick up, sorry, not the death rate. The critical cases. The critical cases. Mm-hmm. And in order to manage the, uh, the capacity of the healthcare, we, or we, the governments have looked into possible strategies mm-hmm. and have figured out that if we put people on a lockdown, if people will not be meeting each other, and will not be giving each other that disease that by facts, you know, by numbers, seem to be very infectious, Mm -hmm. we will be able to limit the number of cases that will be 
needing the treatment in the hospital. So mm -hmm. they looked at uh, China in mm -hmm. Wuhan, where there was a huge number of cases at the same time. The mm -hmm. mortality rate was very high in any other area where the capacity was where the capacity of the healthcare was able to pick up the uh, the people that needed treatment the mortality rate seemed to be very low mm -hmm. so as far as i understand that it's simply about limiting the very infectious rate or rate that seemed to be very infectious mm -hmm. between many people not to overwhelm the healthcare system seems to be a very uh, a very i don't know uh, what would be the best adjective rational i don't know rational is not a word that i'm looking for safe seems mm -hmm. to be a pre preferable safe uh, solution mm -hmm. that is taken by many governments Mm -hmm. And we can look at the case of U.S. where uh, Mr. President uh, Donald uh, Trump did not want to put a country on a lockdown at the beginning. There was a very high pressure. And then the numbers started to increase suddenly, especially in huge cities like uh, New York City where you have... And I think that that seems to be a big factor as well. How many people per square meter are living in a place definitely places with millions of people you know living on a very small area looking into infectious rate even of two percent you know mm -hmm. even one percent of uh, you yeah. know severity you really get into trouble unless you have extremely well prepared healthcare system mm -hmm. which united states does not have no. <laughs> let's 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 also um mention i think that um on the surface this actually makes sense um however my question always was if most of us uh, will go through covid 19 uh, quite mildly and people who are if we look at the statistics who are ending up in hospitals are uh, in vast majority elderly people with some conditions already with some diseases then i still don't understand why we are not um, um isolating only the elderly and vulnerable if we will most probably wouldn't end up in a hospital anyway at least this is not what the uh, statistics are showing us but maybe there is an idea that the virus will become more deadly and start to kill everyone um so just in case because it's like you know what i mean well i i know uh, i i think i understand what you mean mm -hmm. however i i have mostly been looking closely at uh, numbers in denmark mm -hmm. denmark is a country that should not be hit very hard by uh, this disease it mm -hmm. is a country where people are practicing social distancing as a normal way of life as a way compared, of life. yeah mm -hmm. compared to i don't know spain or italy there mm -hmm. is few people uh, relatively to how big the country is mm -hmm. so we have forty-three thousand square meters almost and just 5.6 million people whereas mm -hmm. for example in new york you have 
1.8 million people on 60 kilometers, uh -huh. square kilometers. So it, that's the country that, and also a relatively good healthcare system compared uh -huh. to many countries. So I have been looking in a country also because, of course, this is where we live. And uh -huh. there is quite a high number of people who are in hospitals that are uh, 40 plus and 50 plus and 60 plus the total number of them i'm trying to find that graph because i've been looking at that graph many times and now i am on the official website and i cannot uh -huh. find that graph is it was actually uh, not lower than the number of people who are 70 80 and 90 plus uh -huh. so and and the reason for it is that the main people who got infected first in denmark were the people who actually went to italy skiing uh -huh. however then the numbers were high for people who are relatively young, 40, 50. Uh, were, were those people having any preconditions or diseases that were existing already? The graph don't show it. Okay. Uh, and it, it's not the death rate. It's the people who needed to go to who the hospital. To, yeah. mm -hmm. the, okay. the age distribution for the people who are in the hospitals. Mm -hmm. So it was like from 0 to 29 years old, there were like 9 people in the hospital. Mm -hmm. From 29 to 39, also maybe like 17. And then from 39, the number was quite high. It was actually the peak. I, I can understand that, you know, it was the first people who were infected in Denmark mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the, the, it was many people who came from Austria and Italy mm -hmm. who, who were, you know, infected and then they started to infect people around them. Mm -hmm. However, um, mortality rate, yes, it's still, the numbers still seem to be very strongly pointing to... Uh, elderly people mm -hmm. however the people who need the hospital it also includes people who are relatively young or you know mm -hmm. uh, have the age of these yeah. plus people so even though we are talking about uh, strong uh, you know people in their 40s they should they are not considered to be elderly 40s 50s you know it's mm -hmm. supposed to be the you know the strength <laughs> so to speak still is considered to be high yeah. they still need to be uh, have the hospital available so to speak in uh -huh. many cases but i don't know this kind of distributions for other countries i only know this distribution for denmark so they still need the care they still need the bed in the uh -huh. hospital they still need the qualified nurses and uh, doctors because the trouble is that with an infectious disease it's not every doctor and it's not every nurse uh, that is capable of treating that and then you also need all this special equipment so that you don't get infected yourself. Mm -hmm. And the doctors, of course, because they are stressed, because they are working many long hours, of course, they are prone to get infected even, you know, more mm -hmm. than regular people. Uh, because, uh, you know, because uh, if there is not enough doctors and nurses, they are working incredible, you know, long hours. And, and then your immunity goes down if you are stressed mm -hmm. and tired. Of course, and, and of so course. So, there seems to be, there seems to be, uh, you know, the main reasons behind mm -hmm. taking mm -hmm. this kind of strategy. Yeah, I, I uh, could definitely understand the logic behind it. And um, I know that Denmark is quite protective regarding the data of the, of the people that are uh, sick 
and that uh, have also passed away. I remember that there were people on Facebook asking, where are those infected people? That was at the beginning because uh, the Danish uh, authorities hesitated with giving that information to the public because of the protection of the identity. So we didn't know at the beginning where the cases are. Is there, I remember those posts, is there someone infected in my city? I need to know, I need to know. So um, th th there is a bit of a problem with that um, data privacy, which is not a problem in general. It's a problem to have this um, view of the situation and also to realize, um, because of course, the first question would be the people who are in different uh, age gaps, did they have any pre-existing conditions? Um, because that's, that seems to be the pattern in overall statistics that it's usually people who are elderly or have weakened immune system or have, I think in Italy it's 40, um, it's below 50, but 40 something percent of people that passed away had three additional morbid diseases. Mm -hmm. So that's then it's a, then there is a percentage for two diseases and percentage per one disease. So it would be interesting in the future to have a full overview to see how many of the people that were hospitalized actually had additional conditions. Yeah, because and it could tell us something more about the immunity because I think that information, uh, although it's important, can also create this feeling oh my God, I'm 40. Mm -hmm. I can catch it and go to hospital and die. So um, it, it also needs that context of how many of those people actually were of a weekend health to begin yes. with. So there is no doubt that it is, I mean, there, everyone is underlining it a lot, that mm -hmm. the disease is mainly dangerous to people who have weakened immunity system, who have other chronic diseases and who are elderly. There is no doubt about it. The reason for a lockdown is that no matter that it's only this kind of people, mm -hmm. first of all, we don't know how much percentage of the society knows that they have weakened immunity system. Mm -hmm. We don't know if it is 5% of the society that is working undiagnosed or 55% of society that is working undiagnosed. Because if everyone was, if we had this kind of uh, extremely, you know, aware system where mm -hmm. everyone who has a chronic disease or immunity disease knows that they have it, they are diagnosed with this one, we could select those people potentially and mm -hmm. have those people on the lockdown. But we don't even know if this number is 5% of undiagnosed or 55% that is undiagnosed. Yeah. There is no way to know that. So the only thing for a lockdown is that even if it is only people who are with chronic and you know other illnesses, the capacity of the healthcare system in vast majority of the countries cannot deal with the fact that the disease is infectious and seems to be spreading exponentially. So if you take an influenza and you have one person, you know, infecting one person and that person, mm -hmm. one person, and if you have coronavirus, this one person, three people, the next people, person, nine people, and so on, the number of people grows exponentially very fast compared mm -hmm. to other diseases. So that's the only, you know, that's the, so to speak, logical explanation to mm -hmm. why countries choose to have a lockdown.
yes. And then it will be interesting to observe how the situation will be uh, then developing in countries that do not have a lockdown. So, for example, we have Sweden, mm-hmm. where Sweden is again a country where people are living by default with the social distancing compared to mm-hmm. like Latin cultures and so on. The country mm-hmm. is currently not on a lockdown. And mm-hmm. uh, at, at, at least uh, yesterday it still wasn't. Uh, yeah. I was checking that. The country is being highly... Um, so to speak, attacked verbally. <laughs> I don't know what is Completely. it. I don't. Know. I don't mean attacked. What is it? Criticized. It's very strongly criticized for not uh, introducing the lockdown, mm-hmm. and it will be very interesting to observe in the future. And when when we are talking about these kind of things, and you know, saying that it will be interesting, or when we are laughing, you know, using our humor, it is not because we don't care for people who are actually passing away just a message to our listeners we are just trying to take a few steps back and try to figure this out why have we found ourselves in a situation where there are so many more deadly diseases like ebola like malaria like you know whatever and nothing has ever been putting the world on a lockdown and now we are finding uh, ourselves in a disease that is relatively still, even in worst case scenarios, relative, not even comparable to Ebola uh, mm-hmm. or malaria. Uh, why are we having such an extreme reaction to it? But I'm looking that we are very late in our program and we are just in a question number two. Number two. But I was thinking that if it goes so well, we could do a two parts actually, because I think this is a very, very important and valuable discussion uh, that we are having. And uh, just to treat this topic, you know, superficially, like our press and media do, I don't think it gives it much justice. So um, so I, I, I would definitely be up to continuing uh, and having a part two. Plus, we really need content, Marta. <laughs> Uh, because we skipped already one week. But what you are saying, it's very interesting. Of course, one of the ideas that comes to my head is, well, it's because it's happening in Europe. You know, if people in Africa are dying on malaria and it's now it's half a million people annually, but five years ago it was still a million. It, it, it jumps up and down. And those countries are not on lockdown. Someone could be very cynical here and say, well, because now it's a white rich people problem. Um, I know it sounds cynical. And please also notice that we are the countries that cannot yet technically can afford a lockdown because we have places to lock ourselves down because we all have housing apartments and other things and um, there is not so much of a of a problem with space in europe in general let's compare it to india let's say so actually we can afford to overdo it and lock ourselves down because we are privileged it's very hard to do a lockdown in India. And I think we already have seen some of the footage. I don't know. And I will not comment on that because on the internet right now, we have so much crap 
And we have footage that is posing to be a footage that is done from the coronavirus times, but it's a one-year-old footage. So there was this footage of policemen that are beating people on, on, on the street in India with, with some kind of like, you know, uh, I don't know how is that called, you know, the, not the bat, not a baseball bat, but you know that pow cup for school. My kata, is that something in Polish? This is one of the very rare moments when I know the word in Polish and I don't know it in English. But let's call it a bat, right? And they are being hit because they are leaving the houses. The problem is that there, there is a, a lot of people living in very tiny spaces in India and those people need to leave the house to somehow get the food or, or whatever. So basically it's a luxury to to afford yourself to lock yourself in a house and you know with our cozy little uh, apartments and internet connection and the shops are still open and uh, we can do the takeaway and we have the money to pay for that takeaway in some countries this is not an option because of the specificity the culture the economical system so um, some cynics say that, you know, uh, yeah, we got this because we freaked out and we can afford it. And we also can bash other countries because I saw those comments, you know, people looking at what's happening in India under those videos. Yeah, beat them all. They should sit at home like blah, blah, blah. It's like, and that's a dude from, from you know, po Polish dude from Denmark is commenting on that. And I'm like, dude, do you even know what is the reality in a country like India or Bangladesh, you know? It's, it's really like, and I see this disconnect also, you know, uh, the Sweden, what you have mentioned. I really have a feeling that there is a group of people who just sit there with popcorn waiting for sweden to completely fail and crumble like yeah they will see they will be the next italy completely responsible yeah they will uh, regret it it's almost like some people would like sweden to fail have you noticed those comments well i uh, i have i in general i don't indulge in comments and i haven't been doing that for a long time because mm -hmm. i have noticed that way, way, way before uh, Corona times uh, that uh, comments on internet, they don't seem to be, uh, well, I really hope they are not representing the majority of human population. Me too. It's like it's taking out the worst yeah. of us humans, um, mm -hmm. you know, on internet. So I just don't, you know, I, I don't read them. I, um, I, I avoid it because I know that it, it makes no sense. It's it mm -hmm. just horrible. Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. I agree, but you know, I, I see a lot of those comments there and uh, yeah, I read comments section. I'm one of those masochists for no reason, but I'm also, because I also take in consideration the fact that Facebook had up to date 3 billion fake accounts. And we already know that fake accounts uh, many times are creating to shape uh, perception. And that, that was this huge scan scandal with the election in US that, you know, the social media were used um, to, um, to change the perception about Trump, all this kind of, I will not even go there, that the whole Russian connection, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, we have to take in consideration that every quarter, so every three months, Facebook locks, uh, blocks or deletes one million fake accounts. Every three months, every quarter. So I can 
probably there are some groups of interest or people who maybe want to shape a certain perception and also put those things but many of the comments that i see are coming from people that i kind of know well from internet <laughs> some you know you know what i mean those are profiles that exist for years and you can see because you can get a feeling if the profile is fake and when the profile is not fake right because fake profile appeared like two years ago have two posts and a real person usually have more on their timelines so uh but that can be also creating perception because at one point i was like i'm surrounded with people who simply you know like want to kill everyone who leaves the house and uh, who wants the sweden to burn it, it, it can create a certain psychosis for a person that sits home and reads it because you cannot really talk with other people you are locked so we i think we also have to be uh, be aware that comment section uh, may not show the reality and that's a reminder also to myself yeah and also we that, that's very very sad but we also need to be aware that even the articles in many magazines mm -hmm. might not be showing the reality either so mm -hmm. there is many places but i think we have a special question for that as well so in general I have also been thinking about it because, okay, we are rich in Europe and we can allow ourselves to go into a lockdown or many of us can, and the countries can provide some help to people who are in a situation for a period of time. But there is an end to it as well. There is also, you know, there is also just as long as we can do it. And there are so many countries that don't have even this luxury to mm -hmm. do it even for a shorter period of time because yeah. the disease scares many people and many people want to lock themselves down at home because they're afraid of a disease but as soon as the actual starvation another threat to your life comes people are not gonna just stay at home you know starving themselves to death right absolutely so as soon as there is a bigger threat to your life mm -hmm than the, this you know virus mm -hmm. we will start going out to the streets and unless so you preach sister yeah unless you have reinforcement system like in china where you mm -hmm. could cement the door for people not to be able to go out uh, you will not be able to keep people for long either Mm -hmm. that's that's correct and that's a very valid point and i also believe that we europeans were in general spoiled uh, not that we ourselves are spoiled but we were spoiled by the circumstances because since the second world war there were not so many cataclysms of course there were you know floods in this country there was a war in ex-Yugoslavia in 90s, but many Europeans from West don't perceive really much the, the Balkans as the actual Western Europe. But we don't have many uh, natural disasters that would involve millions and millions of people. People in other continents, they are dealing with a lot of hardships daily. For them, that can be just another thing you know, to cope with. That is actually not that scary as not being able to feed your newborn child. We here, we don't have problems of this kind. Our problems uh, are of a different nature. And I'm not saying that we are, you know, spoiled, bad white Europeans. This is just the reality we live in. We were blessed with what we have. 
And now when we see something that probably, I, I saw this post somewhere that, you know, uh, there is now one half of the world laughing at overreaction of other half of the world. So basically, we are just getting a tiny bit of a taste of what other countries or continents are coping with on a daily basis, and we are losing our shit. You know, so uh, that, that's, that's, that could be another point of view to take in consideration. Yeah. Well, I believe that we are approaching the end of that first part mm -hmm. uh, because at least last time I looked at the clock that was an hour ago uh, okay. so um, thank you everyone for listening we hope thank you very much that you find it useful if you have any comments if you are smarter on as you know when it comes to numbers or why are we really put down on a lockdown mm -hmm. uh, then please do comment yeah. And we will read your comment in our next show.